The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2021 Campus Outreach New Year's Conference. More information about Campus Outreach New Year's Conference can be found at conycindy.com. Just by way of introduction, my name is Mike Merritt, and I'm on staff with uh, yeah, I'm on staff with Campus Outreach St. Louis. And so um, I'm thankful you guys are here today. I'm thankful to open God's Word with you. I'm thankful to be able to talk about God's Word with you. Uh, I know that we're in the last, this is the final session, so um, I'm not going to go too long. I'm going to keep it straight to the point. No fluffs. Am I okay with that? Cool. All right. Well, um, you know, it's interesting. As I began to think about our topic today about Scripture, uh, you may find it interesting and odd that I titled it Finding Your Place. The reason I did is it, uh, our content kind of made me think about a story that happened just a few weeks ago. Uh, just a few weeks ago, in early December, my uh, family and I went to Disney World. And we had the whole bells and whistles. And you know, like, uh, I would say going into that time, I was a little hesitant. Uh, hesitant may not be the word, right word. Apathetic. You'd be like, why Disney World? And I'm like, I'm a 35 year old man. You know, like, that was one reason. Is like, can I get excited? Isn't this for like little younger kids? But then, too, is I have in college, I have worked at uh, amusement or theme parks all throughout my summers, particularly Universal Studios. So when you work at those theme parks, you see, so to speak, how the sausage is made. And it, uh, it didn't make me hate theme parks or like them any less. I actually still really do like them. You just have a different view of them. They kind of lose their wonder, in a sense. And so, you know, what I learned quickly when we got to Disney World is that Disney really is magical. It, it legitimately is the most magical place on Earth. Uh, the, you know, when we were there one night, we had gone to Epcot, which is a place that has future lane world and places, countries around the world, and we had stayed that night for a fireworks show entitled Harmony, and it was awesome. There were fireworks going off everywhere, Disney characters were singing our favorite songs. The theme of it was Harmony because they were kind of saying, we're all big one community and we can uh, overcome any obstacle or challenge that's in front of us. And I legitimately started crying. <laughs> I was like tearing up. And uh, the fireworks ended and I looked over at my wife and I said, I think we're going to all be okay. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I thought, man, that's the magic of Disney. Like, right? And not only that, uh, you know, my mom had scheduled for my boys. I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old to make their own lightsabers. And uh, and so she asked me a couple months ago, hey, do you want to make a lightsaber with your boys and then my brother and his girlfriend? I said, mom, I'm 35, what do I need a lightsaber for? But we got deep into Disney week and my brother's girlfriend came to my wife and said, hey, do you want to go hang out? I don't want to go make a lightsaber. Michael, do you want to make a lightsaber? And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> I've seen those things and they are cool. And my staff team will tell you, I got back from our trip and I brought my lightsaber to staff training because it was so cool. 
And I say all that to say, um, when we had gotten back from Disney, you know, the next morning at our own house, we were sitting in the living room, my oldest son, Thomas, and I, and we were watching uh, a football game coming up. And he just looked sad. And I said, buddy, what's going on? And he said, I'm just sad we're not at Disney. And I said, man, me too. <laughs> and, uh, and then he said something really insightful. He goes, what are we going to do now? that we're not at Disney. As if going back to normal life, like what are you gonna do with the rest of your life? <laughs> and as I thought about that more, I thought about our own experiences in life. That as we experience life and we have assumptions with the way life works and the way God is, and those are met and uh, either shattered or just challenged, we're often left like my son sitting on the couch, just dissatisfied, uh, discouraged. And I would say, I would even could probably take that a step, a step further for many of us in, in our own lives and say, we're not just probably sitting on the couch for many times in our life, we've been laying on the couch. Sad, depressed, disillusioned, because our experiences in life uh, and then when we're faced with reality, it just seems like too much to bear. And so when we approach Scripture and talk about Scripture this morning, I would just want to ask you is what resources do you turn to in those times? Because this isn't just like, a, hey, if, if you're in this room investigating Christ, this is whether you're in Christ or not. This is just life. You will experience those times. What will you turn what resources will you draw upon to be able to live? And so um, to that end, I have my one goal kind of with our time uh, this afternoon is my one goal is fairly simple is for, for you to just leave the room wanting to read this book a little bit more. Uh, wherever you're out on the spectrum, you could be someone in this room that you're like, hey man, I'm just trying to figure this out, what I believe. I don't know if I really know if this is true. To someone that has recently come to Christ and you're wanting to know or you've been walking with Christ for a long time and you're just wanting to, to get in the Bible a little bit more, wanting to grow in your faithfulness of studying God's Word and knowing it. I hope that all of us leave this room wanting to know more of what this book says. That's my hope. So to that end, will you pray with me real quick as we jump in to God's Word? So, Father, I pray for our time. God, I pray and just confess in my own heart that oftentimes it's hard to want to get in your word. It's hard to uh, see the beauty and the glory that it is. And so I know, God, that we've had a long day. We've had fun tonight. And I pray that in this moment that you would open our eyes, you would open our ears, and you may engage our hearts and our minds to know who you are. So God, I pray this all in the name of Jesus and for glory. Amen. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, uh, either turn on or flip to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Chelsea, sorry. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. So this is going to be a probably familiar passage to some of you guys. Um, and uh, you probably may have heard this verse a lot of times. But the, before we hop in, I want to just kind of lay the groundwork and provide the context for you all. The 2 Timothy is written by the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul is a 
major leader in the early church, and we read his writings throughout much of the New Testament today. And so 2 Timothy is Paul, probably at the end of his life in jail awaiting execution. Writing to Timothy, who he says is a dear friend in the faith, he even calls him a son. And so Paul is writing to Timothy to encourage him to keep going, to stay faithful. And so when we interact with 2 Timothy, you'll see Paul over and over and over again encouraging him, encouraging, you'll find Paul encouraging Timothy to keep going, keep fighting the fight. You're going to encounter hardship and discouragement and challenges in life, Timothy. Keep true to the faith. We see this actually in verse 10, even though we're going to look at primarily verse Verses uh, 16 and 17, but if you look at chapter 3, verse 10, I'm going to read this real quick for us just to provide the context. Here's what it says. It says, you, however, I follow my teaching, my conduct, my aim, and life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch and at Iaconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go along from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Pause there. Paul is telling Timothy, you will experience these things. You're going to stand firm. Keep going. Stay in the game. You know what's true. Keep walking with Jesus. Then he, he says, I'm not going to just encourage you, but I'm going to point you to the resource that is going to empower you to live this out. So then we get verses 16 and 17. He says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. These two verses are what we're going to be looking at today. And as we look at these two verses, we're going to see one big idea that I want to share with you. I think I have it up here to read. This is the big idea. It's this. Because the Bible reveals who God is, it directs our life and equips us to live out who we are. Because the Bible reveals who God is, it directs our life and equips us to live out who we are. That's the big idea that we're going to kind of pick apart and look at today through these verses. So to do that, look with me at verse 16. It says this, all scripture is breathed out by God. This is telling us something profound. That as we approach the scripture, what Paul is telling us is that God has spoken. The creator of heaven and earth, of life itself, has spoken. Has revealed himself to his creation. Through the person of Jesus, but also he does it so in his word. This is what it means. This is where he orients our conversation. That when we approach the Bible, the primary purpose of the Bible is to show us who God is and what he is like. 
And I think if we just pause on that very fact for a moment, it would probably challenge many of our assumptions and even our own approaches to the Bible. Because if the Bible's primary purpose is to reveal God, who he is, and what he likes to us, then the Bible primarily isn't, what is that, basic instructions before leaving earth. The Bible then primarily isn't something you and I go to when we're just trying to find some motivation to get through our day. It isn't necessarily even primarily someone, some place that you go to to find a verse to help you find direction and like guidance through your life. No, the primary purpose of the Bible is to tell you who God is. It reveals God to you. This is what it does. And as it reveals God to you, um, it does a, a, a few miraculous things. It's interesting, I, I was reading when I was studying for this, uh, this talk, there was a, a pastor, a theologian, that said that God's word is his baby talk to his people. That's always a beautiful picture of the Bible, and often sometimes can be a complex, hard to understand picture. But the, the picture of the Bible being the infinite creator God using baby talk to talk to us. And how sweet is that, that God would do that to us? Um, you know, not only that, uh, let's see what I'm at here. Um, yes, I put this, that uh, as we begin to approach the Bible this way, it reorients us and allows us to unlock its true power. I don't know if you're like me, but a lot of times I feel that the Bible is just mundane and it's just hard for me to read. But it makes sense that it's mundane and boring to me if I reduce it from its original purpose. Because it primarily becomes about me. And of course it's not going to be fun to read. <laughs> I'm already too self-consumed as it is, right? But the moment it reorients me to the God, the maker of heaven and earth, it opens my eyes and lifts my eyes to heaven and that is what awakens this desire to want to study the Bible. That's what, for me, like many of you, when I came to Christ and I began to see Jesus for what he was and what he has done in my life, I understood that this lets me get to know God. I couldn't get enough of him. But what I found is over time, I began to just let seep in ways of using the Bible that just began to reduce it and reduce it and to reduce it. And it just became this thing that a lot of times you're just hard to get into. But what Paul is doing here is he's orienting us to the fact that God has spoken. And when God speaks, we learn a lot. We not only learn who God is and what he's like, but we also learn uh, how he's made the world and the way it should operate. We not only learn how he's made the world and how it should operate, but we also learn who we are. Now, how many questions of our identity and who we are can be solved by understanding whose we are. Put another way, you'll know who you are when you know whose you are. I know that may be a poor excuse phrase, but I thought it was good. Um, but this is where Paul jumps in. He's orienting you and I to the conversation. He's helping us see where our power really comes from. But that actually gets into the second part of our uh, big idea here is that the Bible is, the, because the Bible reveals God, it directs our life 
and equips us to live out who we are. The Bible, because it reveals who God is, it, the Bible directs our life. This is the second point I have. The Bible directs our life. Look with me at the, the second part of this verse. It says, it says this. This all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for, for teaching uh, and for proof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The Bible is profitable. You know, when I thought about this, I was reminded of this kind of season of life I'm in with my family. And my oldest, my seven-year-old, he's in first grade. And my five-year-old's in preschool. And one of the things that happens when your kids go to school is that you learn pretty quickly that they get experience and they get to uh, rub shoulders with kids and families that just do life differently. Not necessarily wrong or bad, but just do life differently. So if you're like me, you kind of you may remember this, how we go to our parents and we say, why can't I do this? So-and-so's parents let him do this, right? Well, why can't I have this? So-and-so's parents have this. And uh, I did it all the time to my parents because I just felt like they didn't understand. Like, don't you get it? Everybody has one of these, Mom. Like, I want one. And I'll just tell you, being on this side of the equation as the parent, it kind of sucks. <laughs> because uh, it, it just makes you feel like your kid's missing out. And uh, I'm so uh, I'm so proud of my wife and just really just impressed with the way she answered our kids when they started saying that. She would say, I know so-and-so's parents let them do this, but you're an our family. You're a parent. And here's how we do this in our family. Here's what we value and why we do what we do in our family, but we don't do this because of this. But here's what we do. You're a parent. Here's how we do things in our family. As I thought about what the Apostle Paul's saying here to Timothy in, in this when he talks about that all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable, and he starts listing these things, is it similar to God telling us, here's how things are done in my family? What if we approach the correction and the teaching and the discipline of the Lord as that? As God saying, here's how things are done in my family. No, no, no. Don't talk to this person this way. That's not how things are done in my family. No, no, no. Don't act that way. This is how things are done in my family. Or not even just that, of training you in the direction that you should go in life. You know, I think for me, what that does is it challenges a pretty, uh, not fundamental, but a way I often approach Scripture. Is that a lot of times when I talk about getting in God's Word, I just kind of talk about, like, man, I got in God's Word, and He just hammered with me. He had conviction today. He like just destroyed me and brought out all this sin. And it's almost like I'm just, you know, you just put the picture of just, him just rocking me. And we, you may do it in your own way, but I think we can often talk about conviction from God and conviction from the Spirit and opening God's Word that way. As if we're just under God's hand and He's just rubbing it on us. Because that's what it means to be trained in righteousness, reproved, corrected. Taught. But what if the picture here is not God putting you under his hand, just rubbing it in, but it's God taking you by the hand, walking you through life as a father, training you in righteousness. As a father does a daughter or a son, hey, here's how you live in my family. Here's how you live as a child of me. Here's who you are. And how 
how differently would that change your approach to Scripture? And even when God comes in and he does discipline us, because we need it, or correct us, would it help us see that, man, this is a trusted space? That God is a good, good God, and he knows what he's doing, and he loves us tremendously. See, do you see that when we interact with the Bible and God reveals himself to us, the Bible directs our life. It's God training us in righteousness. And maybe that training in righteousness there is an interesting uh, thought because righteousness in the Bible means a few different things. It doesn't necessarily always mean the complete righteousness that we receive in Christ Jesus that we talk about that gets changed or exchanged on the cross. Righteousness sometimes can be thought of as integrity or living the right way could be another way of putting it. So God is teaching you as he exhales and breathes and reveals himself to you how you should be living. Taking you by the hand. Directing your life. And how sweet of a picture is that of God doing that to us. But not only does he reveal himself to us and direct our life, lastly, he equips us to live out who we really are. Um, you know, I, a couple, about a week ago, I went and watched um, the new Spider-Man movie. I won't give any spoilers. Has anybody seen it? Yes. Okay. So, you know, Spider-Man dies in <laughs> uh, So, it was awesome. But it does what so many uh, Marvel movies does do is they help you engage with this movie and see it, but it, it's starting to open you to a bigger multiverse, right? Um, but a bigger world. And what I've appreciated about the series of Marvel movies has, that have come out is this has been their plan from day one. Whether it was Iron Man or whatever, that as you, as you watch these movies, the storyline got bigger and bigger and the world got bigger and bigger of Marvel. And so, you know, it started with in-credit scenes and you had to stay and watch the in-credit scenes to see what was going to happen. Not even necessarily the main, you know, the next movie, but they would throw in, they'd throw in Thanos here and all these different things. And you would have see, as we go through the Marvel collection, you would see uh, villains come in here and characters from this movie coming into this movie. And the, the universe just got bigger so that when we got the, to the crescendo of Infinity Wars, if Thanos steps on the scene and just wrecks havoc in people, it makes sense. You knew the backstory. You knew what had happened in Civil War. You knew what had happened in Black Panther and all these, because it set that story up. And in a very real way, you're in the middle of the story. Right now. You, you are in the middle of being filmed in a series that God is writing. And what this book does is equip you to live out faithfully your calling. What he's called you to. And I don't know how you want to put it. You may not say, Marvel, you can say we're in Act 3, but we know what happened in Act 1 and 2. And so we're now in this moment where we're looking forward. We know through God's word how things are going to end. We know what God's done. So we're now in this moment in time where God is calling us to faithfully live it out. And I don't know how that lands on you. 
Maybe you hear that and you're like, dude, I, I have no idea what I'm going to do after I graduate. I don't even know who I am. God's telling me to write myself and write my part in the story? Are you kidding me? And I would just draw to your attention to what Paul says. What's he say to someone that says that? At the end, verse 17. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You're not lacking. You have all you need. You have not all you need to, to navigate life. You, you can know who you are and what God's calling you to through his word. So if you're in here and you, I say that, that God has called you to write your piece in the story with the way he's got, he's made you and the way he's working the world. And if you feel that weight and that anxiety starts to well up, I would just want to tell you, you don't need it. You're not alone. God's with you. He's equipped you for every good work. You're complete. But if you may be on the other end of that and hear that, and that may register and you may say, that's awesome. I love the freedom that I get in that. And that freedom feels a little bit more like self-autonomy, meaning that I can write myself and how the story however I want. And you would maybe say it in varying different ways. And to that person, I would just say this, and, and all of us have this in our own varying ways, is Paul says this, that the man of God may be complete. The man or woman, that, that the person that is writing themselves in this story is under the authority of God. So you actually don't have the permission or the authority to write it however you want. You've got to write it in line with the ark. Our series, our movie, has to fit into the section. The collection, collection. And so our job as Christians, our job as God's people, is to know this word in such a way where we know who God is, what he likes, who he is, how he's made the world, and we know how the world ends, and we're called to live in light of that now. That's the call on all of our lives. That's our part in the story. So God not only reveals himself in this scripture to us, but he's provided us a pretty dynamic relationship that has entrusted us with so much. And so, you know, as I thought about this to, to kind of end our time, there is uh, just one way that I think I want to leave you guys with, because if you're like me, I would want to know, okay, this sounds great, but what are some practical ways I can start engaging with God's word in such a way where I can actually know him and I can experience him directing my life and know that it's God directing my life and I can feel that he really is a good How do I engage with scripture in that way? And so I think I have an illustration. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Right here. It's kind of, can you read that in the back? Is that too fuzzy? Okay. So uh, Jake, I asked, buddy Jake, come up, come on up. This is called a hand illustration. So um, as we think about engaging with God's word, you know, there are multiple ways to engage with God's word to hear who he is, to learn more about who God is and what he has done. And if you want, some of you guys, if you have small hands, maybe you just trace your hand, hold the page or something. Um, but I brought him up because I want to use this illustration 
for us to show us the importance of not just sticking to one method of engaging with the Bible. So let me use this and tell you. So let, let's say that I'm someone, and what I have is I have a, a yearly Bible reading plan. And I'm faithful to do it. Every year I just read through my Bible. That's wonderful. But let's say that's index one. So try to take that from me. Yes, you're able to do that pretty easily. That, that while that's great and that gives me a grip on God's word, oftentimes when we experience challenges or frustrations in life, they immediately get snatched up in the moment. It, it's hard for me to get a grasp on that. So let's say I'm not just reading God's word, let's say I'm studying God's word. So I do my morning quiet times, so I make sure I'm faithful to reading the Bible every day all the way through, and then I have Jake, and then he pulls it from me. Then that while I have a better grasp on it, it's still through circumstance and life and disappointment and discouragement, a lot of times just swept up and I forget it. <coughs> I feel a sense of lostness. Let's say I don't just read it and study it, I hear it. So I go to church and I hear God's word preach and then I meet with him and then I don't know how to do this, but like I do this. This is probably easier than two, yes. <laughs> so, um, you get the point. But let's say this, that I build a habit in my life, but not just three or four, but I build a habit in my life of meditating on God's word. Thinking about it throughout the day as I go through life, as I memorize God's word, study, read, and hear God's word. If, if I build those in my life and I have a grip on it, I mean, Jake, you see? Thanks, buddy. Yes. Thanks, I appreciate it. Yes. I am strong. Um, but that's just the illustration to show, of, uh, show us. Now, I imagine many of us, as I begin to talk about those things, some of us would say, okay, I know how this is. I'll study, I'll do my quiet times, and it just doesn't fix anything. My hope is that as you sat here and listened to this, is that maybe the approach, initial approach could be wrong, that it's not there to just fix your life. It's there for you to meet face-to-face -face with the living God. And as you meet face-to-face -face with him, he starts to direct your life in beautiful and wonderful ways. And that as he directs your life, he equips you for the calling that he's called you to, to play your part in the story. And I hope that leaves you wanting to engage with his word more. That it takes our eyes off ourselves. That I'm not just trying to find myself in the pages, but I'm trying to find the very God who says that he's freed us from all sin, freed us from sin and slavery, and he's brought us in and has adoption as sons and daughters. And I'll pray for us now that you and I both experience that moment and experience God's word in that way. So pray for us. Father, I pray for um, our time. Pray, God, for our um, hearts and our minds. Thankfully, you let us open your word today and that you reveal yourself to us today. I pray that not only for our time now, but for the rest of conference, God, that you would open our eyes even more and open our ears to hear, to receive, to know you more. So, Father, I am thankful for all this. Thankful for the word.
Lord, through Jesus. I pray this in the name of Jesus, for your glory. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at conyc.indy.com.